Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Witch Wench podcast. I am your host, Kate Goth. Just a heads up, this podcast is for over 18s. It does contain adult language and adult content. So if you're not into that or witchcraft, uh, blessings on your way out. Please close the door behind you. Hello, darlings. Welcome. Um, For this episode, I wanted to share my story and my path and my journey and how I got to be the witch that I am today. Um, I hope that through episodes that come about later and some of the other topics that I want to talk about, people could come back to this if they want to and just get an idea of who it is that they're listening to. Um, My biggest challenge in this is going to be to keep it small. I struggle. If you've met me, you'll understand that I try and give a lot all at once. Um, So I've come up with like a timeline and I think that's going to be helpful. But bear with me because I might jump about into other things. As I always say, this is uh, unedited. So you do just get my rootsy, folksy kind of blabbery way of being. So um, I hope you enjoy. Let's begin with, if we go all the way back to the 1900s, 1988 to be exact. I am the youngest of three children and the only girl. I was born in Grimsby. I don't know why. I still to this day have never really gotten to the bottom of it. I think there was an RAF camp near there and that was the closest hospital. My mum cracks jokes about trying to have me as close to uh, Yorkshire and Sheffield, that kind of area as possible. Um, she always says that she waited years for a girl and and then I came along and she didn't have to try again for a boy. I don't think she pictured me growing into this, although she does love it and she's very proud of me. I was very much forced into pink and dresses and to be what she calls me her little dolly even though I'm like a good foot taller than her now and not dollyish in any sort of way. So I was born in Grimsby and my dad was in the RAF and so we got posted a lot and apparently I don't know never really gotten to the bottom of it they both tell different stories but somewhere I was around five days old and uh, we were posted to Sardinia we lived there I don't remember it I was a baby and then we moved to Holland and then I think we came back to the UK my parents separated and my mum remarried another man in the RAF and then uh, we got posted from there we got moved to Wales and then we got moved to Hong Kong and then we came back from Hong Kong and we lived in Scotland and then from Scotland we moved down to RAF Bryce Norton or Carston which is a fucking shithole and it's a really bad place to live. And then uh, they separated and then we moved to Devon. And I've always had connections with Devon. Um, My dad's side of the family is like an old school Devon family. And there's loads of them. Um, At one point when my great grandma died, we counted all the members that we could in the eulogy. And I think we got to about 140 before we had to stop. Uh, It's an insane amount of people. So we moved down here. Actually, I want to go back. Do I want to go back? I want to go back. We'll go back a bit. So um, let's begin my timeline with I was always a strange child. I think part of it was all the moving like you, you're always the new kid and children always like you make these friendships and then people move out of your life. So you, you learn to become a really good friend with yourself. I had a lot of imaginary friends. I had a lot of connections with nature and animals. There are stories I can tell you about how animals that I've tried to help or rescue um, and then being kind of caught out for that. There was a dog in Hong Kong that um, 
like there's rabies in Hong Kong. So my mum was always like really keen on getting me to stay away from dogs because I had this bleeding heart for them. And uh, one day there was a Dalmatian boxer cross thing outside the flats where we lived. And I sort of remembered about the rabies and tried to stay still. And she ran at me and she tackled me and started licking my face. And she ended up living with one of the other families who lived in the flats with us. And then they brought her back to the UK. And then years later, we like reconnected. Just good example of my weird way of making friends with animals. Uh, I didn't really do well at school in the friends area. I don't want to touch too much on my trauma, but obviously living in the RAF is really stressful. Like military children will tell you about the trauma that comes from that and, and how it happens. Um, did that add to my weirdness? I don't know. It definitely pushed me into like seeking a greater understanding of the world and a greater understanding of myself. I think I felt uncomfortable and otherly. I always saw magic everywhere. I always managed to find a place of sanctuary in nature where if I was scared or if I was sad, I could go and sit there and find comfort, which I now recognise as grounding. Um, I came to believe myself as a witch really early on. Um, all the kind of potions and making and uh, very kind of creative. But I think like living in other countries and cultures are not yours and you're kind of an invader and when I look back on it now like some of these they were right to be angry that we were there so maybe my gifts didn't really develop in that sense because it's not where I had to find my path and where I was meant to be which I do find later and we will come to that so I was you know moving around normal kid not, not normal weird kid but fairly normal for those of us and then when I was about eight, my mum told me the story of the Pendle Witches. Um, I don't, I'm going to go into this in another episode at some point, but I'll just give you a shorthand version. So in 1612, uh, there was a really famous case um, during the witch trials. And I think it became famous because it was A, very well documented. Um, and it was also, I think, the last witch trial or the last people to be hung in that area. Um, it, there were 20 people accused of witchcraft. And actually, when you look into it, um, it was two warring families who kept grassing each other up and then a few other people who got caught in it. And the heads of these two families were known witches, these old crone ladies. They were known as the witches of Pendle Forest. And there were two different ones and they had a rivalry. Um, there's a whole thing about Alice Nutter. I don't know. My mum never really gave me a name. I never chased it up to confirm if I am a descendant of any of these people. I think a lot of people easily could be. Um, it's that thing that kind of spreads out. But my mum said that somebody has done the family tree and she knew it. I don't feel the need to chase it up because uh, delving into my family tree would be quite traumatic for everybody, I think, on that side. And uh, I don't really need to know. I can just say the truth of it, which is my mum told me I am, but I've never looked into it. So I might be. A descendant of a, the Pendle Witches. I also have a friend Lou who is, and I think she's done more research into it. And we definitely have like a really strong connection. One day maybe I'll look into it. Who knows? So my mum told me about the Pendle Witches when I was eight, and that really like fed into my games and my imagination, and it helped me kind of it was like, oh, maybe that's why I've never really fit in, and maybe that's why I think I can talk to animals and control the weather and make things happen um but you know I was little so I didn't really think into it and then when I was about 10 
we moved again, but we got a computer in the house. It was a, it was like a computer. I'm just gonna have a swig of tea. One sec. So we had like our first computer, and we could start studying and researching. And I like hyper focus on witchcraft. So the history of witchcraft, the witch trials. I think I must have done it for a school project at one point as well. And I started looking into. My dad told me about my great aunt who classed herself as a witch and read palms. Um, and I remember phoning and speaking to her and also, oops, my, dropped my notes. My, uh, great grandma on my dad's side was like totally known for taking in strays as people as strays and constantly having this love and this outpouring and wanting to support people. And my mum actually chose my birth name to be, um, similar to hers, like a derivative of hers because she was always so kind to my mum and my mum was like the outsider of this family and she was always really accepting she was like a proper matriarch so i remember learning more about that sort of family stuff and from there um kind of the more i learned i actually started practicing witchcraft my eldest brother much love to him everybody else kind of teased me for it but gary picked me up a book from like a little metaphysical shop this was actually years later when i think about it i've got these memories entangled you know, that was later. Anyway, so first of all, I started like, oh, I got a crystal book. That was it. I got a book on crystals and it came with some crystals and I got it from like my favorite shop. And I started using the spells in there and it was still definitely like more of a play thing with my friends, but I started studying crystals and candle magic and herbs and herbal remedies. I used to like try and make like spa parties for my friends. Uh, it was definitely, when I look back on it now, knowing what I know about my brain, I'm pretty sure it was a hyper-focus, but it got me through. So that was when I was about 10. Um, when I was about 12, um, I tried sharing with others. I tried, you know, the way that teenagers are, but I remember the film The Craft came out, and then all of a sudden this, there was this, like, oh, witches are really trendy, and I was like, well, I consider myself a witch. I've been a witch for ages. I've got witches in my family. Um, and there were a group of kind of girls my age and we started dabbling and, and playing around with it. And we did actually, we had some success in the things that we were doing. But I always had this deep thing, like it's not fake to me and I'm not doing Ouija boards and it doesn't feel right. And you kind of get challenged on that because people just want to play with it and push it. I think maybe they didn't believe it properly or take it seriously in that way. They thought it was just play. Um, I also started babysitting around when I was 12 for like my mum's friends kids but there was a local lady who worked in the shop and she had loads of children um and she she offered to babysit for me asked me to babysit for her and she was a witch she was actually a high priestess in a coven years before and i think she must have recognized that i need some guidance so i started babysitting for her middle two children just a couple of times a month so her and her husband could go out for dinner or whatever and she also started teaching me and guiding me, not in terms of spellcraft, but in terms of ethics. And she taught me a lot of about protection and the importance of that and being careful with your energy. Uh, she was also the person who told me she was kind of against the idea of covens after what had happened in her. So she was very much like, learn everything you can as a solitary practitioner. And if you ever do think of doing group work, like this is all these things that you need to be aware of. So I've kind of had that in my head since I was about 12. Um, so I started, I had an altar, but I hid it 
I used to hide it because I got teased for it at home. And um, those of you who know me, like uh, my, my stepdad was abusive. Um, we don't need to go into that right now. But he was kind of the main culprit. And obviously brothers are mean as well. So I did, I hid it. I used to pack it away under my chest of drawers. Um, and then when I was 13, this is kind of where survival mode really when I look back at it kicked in for me and I I went I went fully off the rails like swan dived off the rails classic rebellious teenager with trauma and now what I think was probably undiagnosed neurodiversity I think is ADHD um and the more I learn about it the more I'm like oh well fuck that was a mess um I did always come back to my craft particularly when I felt alone it was something that was always there for me that I could do for myself I didn't have any confidence in myself or in my power because I guess nobody else did. Um, and I didn't protect my power either. Like this is kind of the point where I started. I was just wide open and I wanted to help everybody. And we were like, I was like this parent to other unparented teenagers. And it was really hard. And I built a lot of systems that like I now recognise as being really toxic, but hey, I was a child and that's where we were at. So there's, yeah, drinking and drugs and boys and all that stupid shit. And then uh, my mother had the sense to move me away, away from that place, which I, at the time, kicked off about massively because it was, I felt like it was roots and I'd never had roots before. And I'd been there kind of longer than we'd ever lived anywhere else. But now I'm super grateful for it. Like, I, yes, very, very grateful. That is not the path for me. Definitely wasn't. And I probably would have ended up dead, to be fair. Um, so we moved. And uh, we moved to Devon. And I had a few years left at secondary school. And I had to go to a really shabby school. I was already a goth at this point. I became a goth at that, choosing to go off the rails when I was about 12, 13, with a bunch of other kids. And we found Marilyn Manson and Nigel Nails and Sismo Down. And I dyed my hair black with my cute little baby face and my black hair oh uh where did we get to oh yes we moved um and we moved to Devon and I had a few days left at secondary school uh again bullied again uh stopped going to school bunked off quite a lot used to sit in the graveyard and read the classics which like the cliche of that now is just beautiful um but it was again having to start all over again and make new friends which is a skill that I do have so I did make friends and then it was like what do you want to do when you leave school and I was like still in survival mode I had this long-term boyfriend who was older than me who had been from this group when we'd lived before and he'd moved to Scotland and uh, it was it was kind of like just another stray that we took in when I look back on it now it wasn't really love and it wasn't really a romantic relationship and we were trauma bonded and it served its purples purples purpose to this day, like I'm still grateful that we did it. I don't know where he is now, but I'm grateful that my mum wanted to help that person. Didn't really need to have a relationship out of it. But anyway, there we go. So then it was like, what do you want to do when you leave school? And for me, it was always going to be dogs or children because I couldn't see myself working with the general public. I never felt like I fitted in. I found it really challenging. I felt like everybody had this like secret to getting by that I just didn't have and it was stressful I mean I now realize that that was probably masking so I chose childcare because the literally because the pay was more stable 
Um, and it was kind of easy to get into with the very low amount of GCSEs that I ended up leaving school with. So I did that and immediately fell in love with it. I've always had an affinity with children. They've always liked me. I find them really grounding. I love their innocence. But the neuroscience for me was where it really got interesting. Like the study of how humanity grows and how you can influence that. It's very little input, a lot of output. I loved um, all of the older studies. It really helped me understand myself in terms of um, like attachment styles. And the other thing that it made me understand was uh, child protection. Um, and I took a really keen interest in that because of things that had happened to not just me, but a lot of the kids in my generation. You know, there wasn't really a, wasn't like it is now. And I just wanted to make sure that that never happened to anybody else again. So I did that sixth form, got a job in a nursery straight away. That nursery uh, actually went under, it got made redundant. And then I got a job in Totnes, which if you don't know Totnes is a beautiful little hippie town, less so now, but when I first started working here, it was, you know, felt shoes and people playing in acorns and artists in the street doing stuff. And, and it was just really vibrant and colorful. So I started working in Totnes and I used to commute over. And then uh, things kind of fell apart in my life again. And I had what I refer to as my kitchen floor reset and I had to be back in with my mum. Um, when, how old was I then? Like 21. Um, when I was, no, maybe it was a bit older, 22. When I was 23, another toxic, abusive person coming into my life to take advantage of my lack of boundaries and my lack of understanding of myself and my giving heart and all of those things. Um, so he came into my life and we were kind of living at my mum's. My mental health was not good. Uh, but we couldn't carry on living at my mum's because it was driving me mad. So, and the commute was killing me. So it was one day, it was like, look, I want to live in Tottenham, but it's super expensive. So uh, house shares is the way forward. So we made the jump and we moved to Tottenham. And as soon as I moved to Tottenham, and I still stand by this now, there used to be a really beautiful mural painted in the beer garden of this pub that we liked. And I was sat there in the sunshine, I think it was in June. And I was like, I'm just going to move here. I've never, never made a decision to move somewhere, move towns on my own. It had always been put upon me by the RAF. It didn't occur to me that that was a choice I could even make. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to move, I'm going to move here. I move here and this is going to be, I'm going to put down roots and this is going to be my place and my town that I've chosen for myself. And as soon as I moved there, things started falling into place. I met people who were similar to me. I met people who were open. I met people who were pagan. Um, some of the hippie woo-woo stuff I still found a bit challenging and out there. But I knew that it aligned for me. Uh, so the guy that I was with, uh, yeah, abusive, um, they didn't really have a word for coercive control back then, but now looking back, like that's definitely what it was. And that all came to a head and I broke free of that and uh, moved in with another woman who I now refer to as my wifey. Shout out to my wifey. And that's when things started to turn around in terms of breaking patterns and taking control of my life. And yeah, it was still a little bit messy and um. I will use the word misguided. And then I met another guy, a local guy who was pagan and rootsy and low, 
I said local already, but he knew a lot about the history and he knew a lot about the lanes around us. And that's what we like really bonded over. I mean, again, looking back on it, didn't have enough boundaries in place, didn't protect my energy. It ended in a bad way, but I'm still grateful for it. It really helped me on the path to where I am now. We used to go out in the lanes and he'd show me plants that he already knew. And then my hyper-focus was like, all of a sudden I've got all the foraging books and all the herbal remedies and I'm really getting to know the land. And we did for a bit have quite a beautiful life. Um, we didn't have a garden. So we went out to find a spot for ourselves where we could concentrate our energy, which is how we found the tree that I now refer to as my grandmother oak. That used to be a place that we would go together. Um, and we jumped the broom there. We would hang charms and do these kind of really rootsy rituals, usually to, on the pagan festivals. So to do with the turning of the wheel, which I already knew about. So the combination of our energies, we definitely created some beautiful things there and some beautiful moments. Um, then that all blew up. That was a fun time. Um, again, wouldn't change it. Super grateful for it. Learned a lot. But it was then when that happened, I was like, actually, I need to I need to do something about this. I need to get better coping strategies. I need to learn how to protect my energy. So I went to therapy. Please go to therapy. Please say, gods, if you're not already in therapy, go to fucking therapy. It helps. So I started going to therapy. I started taking control of my life. I started leaning more into my witchcraft practices and exploring different areas. By this point, I'd built up a confidence in herbology and uh, medicinal herbs. Divination has always been a gift of mine. Uh, more reading people. I think I used to use the word empath a lot. I don't try, I try not to use the word empath now just because of the connotations with like, are you an empath or are you a traumatized narcissist? Um, I do, it probably comes from the fact that of the trauma, like 95% of my personality is probably a trauma response, but it is who I am and it works and you can use it in a positive way. So I finally had space to just be myself and explore who I was. So it was probably about, when was I? I was about 28. So not that long ago, really. Although a lot has happened. And I lived on my own and I had Dora, my cat, who I'd had for a couple of years already. And I really started to get my life in order. And I started an Instagram just before that. I think, yeah, I started an Instagram about the year before. So I'd started posting about herbs and I didn't have like a massive following. I didn't really want one, but I would often say like, take a picture for the gram. And I really enjoyed documenting my life in that way. I did fantasize about having a blog. I've always had this dream of being the hedge witch who lives on the edge of the woods, who people come to for herbal remedies and advice and support. And I would be supported by a community in that way. I think that I'd had that vision for myself probably since I was about 10. When I started researching witchcraft, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I want for myself. This looks like a way for me to be not necessarily happy, but at peace. And I think looking back on it now, perhaps that was the recognition of it's not all love and light and there will always be darkness. But if you have sanctuary and community, you can get through it. So then I just, I moved, I moved into a house, another house share. So I couldn't afford to stay on my own anymore. So I moved into another house share. 
and I started to really build a sanctuary for myself. I was free of the influence of others, mostly. There's some, some other stories tied in there. It wasn't quite the easy road. But I still live here now. So it clearly can't be all that bad. And then I met my husband. And that was all going rather well. Obviously, it wasn't my husband straight away. And he lives in his van, but he moved over to Totnes because he lost his job where he was. And I said, well... At this point, I am never leaving Totnes, so you might as well look for a job over here if you're interested in continuing this relationship with me. So that is what happened. And here we are, four years later. And then there was... Oh, this is going to be painful to tell. Right. So a person reached out to me on Instagram, a journalist. I'm using air quotes for journalist, right? Um, They were doing a piece on the rise of modern witchcraft and they wondered if they could interview me. And what did he say? So the whole demystifying witchcraft thing. And I was dubious. I was aware of where this could go. But I was like, ah, fuck it. Why not? I have a voice. I've wanted this my whole life. Let's just see where this leads to. So I did this interview. And it was shady. I could tell there was something off about it because they wouldn't let me read it. He would only read it to me when he put it together. So you lost some of the nuance and he definitely didn't read me all of it, but I agreed anyway. And he said it was like, it was just kind of online or whatever. And he posted it and it was awful. It was so bad. (laughs) The spin he'd put on it basically read crazy lady thinks she's a witch and used it to trap a man. And then it got shared on a very popular site. And I was at a friend's birthday and it turns out these it was like trashy journalism. Think like The Daily Fail and The Sun and that kind of awful fucking pithy bullshit. And it just didn't express what I was trying to put across at all. So I was devastated and embarrassed. And I wanted the world to... And the comments were fucking awful. Like, I'm, a, I'm always prepared for trolls, but it was a dismantling of everything that I did actually believe about witchcraft and how it can help people. So I went absolutely fucking mental and I phoned them up and I made them take it down because that's not what I consented to. And I did win and I did get them to take it down, but it had been up for like three days. So it was out there with my fucking face on it. Brilliant. I remember saying like, this is my life. I'm not just a story. I just, I don't make this up. This is my actual life. So they took it down and I was upset and my husband, in his very supportive, awesome way, said, like, why don't you, like, you've got your Instagram, why don't you start a website or a blog? Like, you have a voice. You should use that voice. So that's what I did. And so in, it was April 2019, I set on my website. And initially, it was just for, I believe that knowledge should be free. I learned everything myself from books and other people who had chosen to share it with me. And I've got a lot of knowledge, like... I love learning. I will never stop learning. I have so many strings to my bone right now. You could play it to by a harp. Play it like a harp. Oh, God, if I could edit this, I would definitely edit that bit out. Nah, fuck. Okay, so I started the website and I wanted to put like, just like write about herbs and foraging and I wanted it to be free. And I love having a good rant. So that was nice. I like ranting about the human experience and not being a dick to each other and just trying to make the world a bit of a nicer place for people like me. 
Um, I also wanted to give definitions on things. Like the whole demystifying witchcraft was something that resonated with me. That was something I wanted to do. And I wanted to connect with other witches. And I wanted to tell stories, which is why there's so many different things on my blog. <laughs> like my brain. Just everything, everywhere. And then, so I've enjoyed doing that. And then I decided to do a content, like a premium content section, which you can log into so I can share spells and rituals with subscribers, which you can sign up to. At the moment, I don't put an awful lot on there, which is why it's so cheap. Uh, time management and life. I try and put up as much as I can. I'm always open to suggestions if there's something you'd like to know more about. Uh, and that's kind of brought us up to the present day. Haha. -ha. Oh, and obviously I started a podcast. Here I am. Here you are listening to my podcast, which is me sat in my room, waffling on and drinking tea. Uh, so yeah, that kind of brings us up to present day. Apart from all of the side stories and rabbit holes I could take you down, I intend to take you down those rabbit holes later. What else could I say? We've got a few minutes left. Um, how? So I identify as just witch, not like eclectic witch or celestial witch or um, to me, witch is kind of all encompassing anyway. The definition of witch is somebody who connects to nature. I see it as like an envoy for nature. I'm a person who can bridge this gap and help people get more in touch with it and use the powers and the energies that are there to enhance their lives and heal themselves and heal those around them and collectively that will ripple out and we can heal the collective. I definitely have like a folky rootsy witchcraft like hedge witch. Yes I can do all the pretty rhyming couplets and the gentleness but my preferred form of magic involves a lot more kind of primal swearing whatever I feel in the moment which is why I like when I post spells that is something that can always be adapted to other people's needs. It doesn't have to be this very ceremonial woo-woo thing. It can be putting magic in your coffee in the morning or intentions when you put your boot on. I like the level of integration I've received in my life now. I can do witchcraft in any moment, any given moment. And I can use it to help others. And I've created a sanctuary for myself and others. That's not just one little altar that I have to hide away. It's a whole house. Um, I've stepped into the priestess path now because that's something that a word that kept coming up for me. And originally I resisted it because it felt arrogant. But then I remembered that the difference between confidence and arrogance is evidence. And there is evidence that I can do this. And I naturally just started doing it and here we are. So I didn't have to construct it. It's a group of local women who came together because we had shared needs. And I do have knowledge in this area. And it is a way that people can use to raise their vibrations and, and take control of their lives, just like I had to. So my current agenda is I am going to dismantle the patriarchy. I am. I'm going to. Through love and the empowerment of women and witchcraft and i feel like that has been my calling all along and now at the ripe age of 33 nearly 34 
I can see why I had to go through everything that I went through to get me here. And I do feel like I'm on the right path. Every little synchronicity, every goosebumpy moment that I get shows me that I'm on the right path. People describe me as shiny, like I'm a really, sh I can be a shiny, shiny person. Um, and I would like to point out if you see that in somebody and you're like, oh my God, that person's so shiny, I want them in my life more. I need you to remember that with that level of shiny comes a lot of darkness as well. There is no light without dark. You don't just get to have the shiny bit. Um, I mean, you can, but you're not entitled to it. If you just want to dip in because that person lights you up, then you need to be considering what you're giving back to that person as well. Otherwise, it's going to end really badly for you. Uh, so where am I now? I still work with children. I'm a nanny. I've worked with the same children since I went self-employed. So it's been the same children for like seven years, bar a couple of new ones. I'm still a goth. I'm quite well known in my town because I am chatty and friendly and I love living here and I talk about it a lot. Um, I do client work. <clears throat> I will do spells on people's behalf. I will help people do their own spells, um, which is kind of what I do in my coven. I do this on a donations basis because I don't believe... Well, I kind of believe like if I charge money for it, I'm excluding some people from having help from me, which is really important that I don't do that. And it's quite a tradition of witchcraft to not accept money. But you can kind of pay me with whatever you want. You could pay me with some of your time or you could pay me with some a bag of carrots or you could help me do something that I'm crap at doing, like maths or, I don't know, gardening. Well, I am good at gardening, but I've got very pretty nails, so I don't like to get my hands that dirty anymore, really. <laughs> I am just waffling now. So uh, that is kind of my very, very brief timeline life story of up until now. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And if there's anyone out there who feels that they resonate with this and they want to reach out, or you want to chat to me, any other forces kids, I'm always really keen to talk to and see if we were in any of the same places. Um, and thank you for listening. And I hope to hear or see you soon. Much love. Mwah.